This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. For some reason or another, the subject of working hours, the number of hours that people work per day, keeps coming up. It came up this week because people were asking, why is it that the Republican Party is so determined to force women to carry babies to term? One might be able to understand why some preacher, for his own superstitious reasons, is uh, so dead set against a woman being able to control her own body. But why would the Republican Party, which basically responds to the needs of the rich bosses and the big corporations, why would they be so dead set against a woman's right to decide for herself? The reason is pretty obvious when you think about it. They want to have a lot of workers. The more workers that there are in a given country, the more they can drive down wages. Because if there's 10 guys trying to get your job, you're going to think twice before you ask for a raise. So the whole point of the fight against women's rights is to make sure that they can keep wages down low. And one way they look at the situation for working hours is in the question of productivity. Productivity is measured by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You can look it up on their page. It's bls.gov.something. And it tells you how much productivity goes up in any, any given quarter. It's usually around 1% or 2.5% or something like that. So it doesn't seem to be very important. But it is when you realize that it's cumulative. So if we got a 2% increase in productivity last quarter and another 2% increase next quarter, then the base for productivity keeps changing and the increment goes up. It's like amortizing a debt. The total amount of productivity increase is staggering. If you just take a look at productivity statistics since 1945, since World War II, and add them together and in, a, in an aggrandizing way, you will see that a worker today is making over four times the amount of wealth in an hour that they did back in at the end of World War II. In other words, productivity is the amount of wealth that a single worker makes in a single hour of work. And it has gone off the charts. Now, you didn't get four times as much money. You didn't get one-fourth as much time of work, you just made this, you worked the same hours or maybe even more hours and you produced four times as much wealth for somebody else. So the whole history of labor struggles can be considered on the question of the working day. The biggest fight in probably in American labor history was to get the eight-hour day. And the truth is, we never did get it. What we got was the Fair Labor Standards Act passed in 1938, I believe. And the Fair Labor Standards Act 
does not guarantee an eight-hour day. It just says that if they're going to work you more than 40 hours in a single week, then they have to pay you overtime. That's all it says. So the bosses recently, especially in the last few years, they just go ahead and work everybody overtime because it's cheaper for them than it would be to hire somebody. So they just work you to the bone, work you overtime. If you're working a three-shift place where they work all day and all night, most people get an eight-hour day, but they end up having to work Saturdays and Sundays too. So a 56-hour work week is not a bit uncommon. We never got the 40-hour day, although we certainly fought for it and we certainly deserved it. And we certainly should get it anyway because we're making so much wealth in one hour that there is really no need for people to be working more than two hours a day. And they would still be producing wealth at the same level that they were doing it at the end of World War II. When, by the way, the United States was already a very productive society. Now, the working hour struggle goes all the way back to when we were just savage doing nothing except gathering and hunting. The savages, of course, worked all day. They may not have worked very hard. If they killed an antelope, they'd probably just sit around and eat it. But they were always confronted with the idea of starving because they couldn't save the antelope that they had killed. It, it would rot. So they had no way to, they had no cushion to take a weekend off or something. They had to, they had to hunt or gather pretty much all the time. When we began to use slavery for production, that's when the surplus of wealth was at last created, and it was possible to take some time off. Not that they got to. The slaves didn't get to take some time off. They still worked them as, as long as they could possibly work them, work them to death, in fact. But they could have because there was a surplus, and the people who were in charge, the slave owners, they took plenty of time off. <laughs> Uh, when we were serfs under the feudal lords, we, we could have taken more time off because we had more productivity. And when they finally invented capitalism in the 16th century, then they really began to produce a big surplus. And the bosses had all the time in the world. They could take world cruises. They could take a weekend off, or a week off, a month off, or they could just quit working altogether as many people did. But the workers still had to work all the time, as much as they could, from can't see in the morning till can't see at night, just as they had as agricultural workers. Even if they were working in a factory, they still had to work from dawn till sunset. Then came the electric light bulb, which <laughs> was supposed to be such a good invention, but at the same time, it made it possible for the bosses to run their factories all night as well as all day. And shift work was invented just to keep people from having a decent night's sleep. And labor continued to work many, many hours. Productivity continued to go up. And we did not get any of the benefit from it. 
all of the benefit from increased productivity went to the bosses. And that is still pretty much the case because the only way we could really benefit from it is by getting shorter working hours. Automation makes it productivity go through the, the roof. Every time they automate something, when they build another machine that replaces the old machines or something, then they lay people off because they don't need them anymore. The machine is doing their work. Automation is eating up our jobs and it's killing our unions because the union gets smaller as the jobs disappear. American unions really didn't lose members because the members quit the union. People really want to be in a union, so quitting the union was never a problem. What happened was that their jobs simply disappeared. Some of those jobs went overseas, but many of them simply disappeared and were taken over by machines. Now, the unions had a way of fighting back at one time. Back when the union movement was really on the move in America, they had a slogan called 30 for 40 with no cut in pay. 30 hours a week is all we're going to work, and we're going to get the same pay that we would have gotten for 40 hours a week. That was their demand, and they demanded it in every contract. They didn't get it, but they demanded it, and they kept wanting it, and, they, and people recognized that this was the solution to automation. Cutting the working hours is the solution for automation. I recently had a long conversation with a young computer guy, a techie, who works for a company. I think the name of it's uh, Business Solutions or Corporate Solutions or something like that. And they, they contract with companies to substitute computerized uh, solutions for human labor. So this guy is a, a young person who would really like to do good in the world, and he realizes that the very nature of his work is causing other working people to suffer because they're getting laid off. And I told him, the answer is not to stop improving on production. We want better production. The answer is to cut the working hours. Every time productivity goes up, the working hours should go down. It's the same kind of idea that they had a long time ago about inflation. Their idea was to have what they called an escalator clause so that when inflation went up, people got a raise. Social Security recipients today get a small raise every year when inflation goes up. And a few people with union contracts get what they call a cost of living adjustment, COLA, cost of living adjustment. Every time inflation goes up, they get a little raise. However, the bosses never liked giving that and they take it away every chance they get. Most people don't get an adjustment for inflation. When inflation rages like it is right now, people's wages don't go up. So the escalator clause idea would work great if we could just get the bosses to do it. We need a similar arrangement to deal with automation. Otherwise, it's going to just continue 
to take people's jobs and push us out of the workforce. The bosses, of course, want us to work as many hours as possible because they make more money every time we work an hour because our productivity is so high and our wages, comparatively, are so low. So that's the fight, the fight for working hours. My friend Tom Berry, every time you talk to him, he's going to tell you that we should have the six-hour day. He writes letters to the President of the United States and says we need the six-hour day. He speaks on the six-hour day every chance he gets. And Tom Berry is about the only person I know that ever negotiated a contract that did have the six-hour day. And during the period that that contract was in force, Tom says, productivity went up. In other words, people who only had to work six hours a day were more productive than people who were forced to work eight hours a day. That's generally been the case when hours are reduced. But hours have been reduced so few times that there's not much figures on it. But Tom Berry wants you to go to a six-hour day. I want you to go to a two-hour day because you could do that and there would still be enough productivity to produce what humans in America need. There wouldn't be enough for the greedy bosses, but there'd be enough for us. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.